In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, and we've got you covered coast to coast on everything from money, sex, beauty, love, health, and success. And Linda, true to our show's name today, we are powered up. And I want to ask you, what are you powered up about this week? Well, uh, it was a very interesting weekend, and um, what I'm doing now more than ever, is paying attention to my behavior, what I do, and how that makes me feel. So on Saturday, uh, my hubby and I got in the car at 6.30 in the morning to head to Boston for a bar mitzvah. That is a four-hour ride from New York. Um, And I was nervous for two weeks preceding getting in the car because I didn't want to leave our little dog Lucy home for 12 hours. But I figured, I mean, in my mind, I knew she'd be okay, but in my emotions of body, I was, I was nervous. So we, we did, we got in the car, we got there, we, we, we stayed at the marmots, but we left about four o'clock and the ride home was kind of grueling because we were both pretty tired because it was a lot of driving in one day. So, um, yeah, so I was just um, a crazy, crazy thing. Um, and then she, I opened up the door and I kind of cried when I got in. I, had, I think I had so much stress pent up in me, you know, preceding the trip, the trip, everything that, you know, I was just like blown away. And then Sunday I got up early to do a Trader Joe run because in New York you have to, if I'm not there at 8 o'clock, uh, like the first one that's in there, then you have to stand in these incredible lines uh, because it, people are waiting out on the sidewalk. I wish we had a business like that. Yeah. And then when I got home for Trader Joe's, uh, my little Lucy wasn't feeling so well, so uh, she started to shake, so we took her to the veterinary hospital. And the time we got home it was 12 o'clock, and I was like... <laughs> Talk about stress between the trip, the veterinarian. So I laid down on my bed, and um, which is unusual because I'm usually not home on the weekend. Uh, so I, I, and I usually don't watch the Oprah Network, but I did. I turned it on, and um, I got to uh, hear um, her Soul Sunday. I know that's probably not the name, but basically that's what the show is all about. 
and she was interviewing uh, Michael Singer, who had written the book uh, Unfettered Soul. And I just laid in my bed for that hour, and I listened to it, and that really powered me up because everything that he was talking about, everything that I was doing was so fresh in my memory because I had just had this Boston veterinary <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> so um, I, I, you know, I was paying it. I was paying attention to what I was doing to myself and what I could do not to get so worked up. And I mean, it, it was just very interesting. I ordered the book, and I will report on the book when I get it. But basically, it, it's talking about instead of leaning into a situation when you're all for toots and stressed and crazy, you kind of, you lean back and you calm down and you get into a better space. And that way you can make much better decisions on rather uh, than when you're all, you know, crazy and stressed out. So, and we all, and then he talked about all, we have all of these, um, you know, things inside of us that I guess, you know, we, that buttons are pushed and when we react. So you might go out of your way all of the time not to have an incident that you know is going to upset you. Of course, that's impossible mm-hmm. to do and you can hope, spend your whole life trying to do it because life is constantly coming at you and you, you don't really have any control over it. But you do have control over leaning back and just kind of observing it rather than getting so fully engaged in it. So I'm just looking forward to reading the book because um, that powered me up uh, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and I just want to, I'm in a process now of trying to do everything I can just to disengage and live my life in grace. You know, Linda, you've raised, you know, some really, really great points. Um, The one I want to reiterate what you said that was so important was that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. That's what you're talking about, the leaning back. You know, instead of leaning in and engaging for the fight, you know, you we have choices in that, and they're real hard to make. Um, but I think that's an excellent point. And the other point that you talk about is disengaging, you know, especially in this economy where people are so crazy and, you know, money's tight everywhere and frustrations, I think, are at a national all-time high. To be able to disengage, is so important. Can you talk a little bit more about that disengagement process? Well, you said, um, I know I am. I'm very reactionary. And when you're reactionary, you just, you know, you just jump right in. And what I'm learning now is not to do that so much, is to let things happen and I don't have to really react to it. I can sort of let it float by because it's like a cloud. Uh, everything that we uh, think of that's crazy in our day is a cloud. And if we don't engage in it, it's going to pass and we're going to be okay. Um, what, you know, he, he was so funny because he, he said, if you ask most people, you know, what they really want out of life, uh, the majority of people are going to say they want to be happy. But he said the truth is that people really want to be free. They want freedom, and they want freedom from themselves, 
from that constant jabber, 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 jabber that's going on in our minds all the time that's driving us crazy and guiding us to do things that we really don't need to be doing. So just the freedom from that voice that, you know, can really change our lives, and we achieve that by just leaning back instead of leaning forward. So all, since I heard all of this, every time I'm doing something now, I can, physically, I feel I lean back. Which <laughs> is also good for your abs. You get a little <laughs> yeah. exercise in, we get a trimmer tummy, and we get to, like you said, I love like that whole thing about the clouds, you know, just floating by. And I think... You know, it's so important, Linda, because it goes along with my theme, you know, kind of, you know, a couple of weeks ago I talked out about on the air about saying no to people, you know, not always automatically saying yes or feeling obligated that I have to do all this stuff. You know, and then to, the next step was to think about, okay, now I have this time freed up. You know, how am I going to use it? What am I going to do with it? And going along with this theme now, this week I've been powered up and really working on for asking for what I want, which is – not in my nature. It's not the way I was raised. It's not the way I was socialized. You know, good girls don't ask for anything. And I must have asked for 10 things this week, Linda, and they all, people were happy to help. I wasn't annoyance. I wasn't, you know, intrusive. You know, people were genuinely happy to assist me. And, you know, I didn't go crazy. Um, but in areas that I truly needed some assistance, I asked. And you know what? It was okay. The world did not fall apart because I asked for what I wanted. And just like for you, the world did not fall apart because you chose to disengage. No, absolutely. And and you never, you know, there is no harm in asking because what's the worst someone can say? No. Right? That That's the worst. Yeah, I, Sandra, can you lend me $100? No. No. Okay. That's, that's that's the that's the end of it. But you just might say, of course, no problem. And and why wouldn't you just ask um, in a nice way for the things that you want? Because more than likely, you're going to get them. Well, that was the funny thing, Linda. It was like, you know, here I was, you know, kind of raised with that, you know, sensibility of, you know, like you don't ask for anything, you do. For why yourself. do you think that you're... is? Is it is that a girl thing? It's a girl thing. It's a cultural thing. It's a social thing. It's, you know, I think it's a, you know, a reflection of, you know, my parents' sensibilities. And, you know, they were very much, you know, can-do, self-reliant. And, you know, they become very successful as a result. But I'm realizing, you know, that it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't diminish each of us. It actually strengthens. Yes, and and mo- and a lot of people like to help. It makes them feel useful and and good to be able to help somebody else. So if we it look does. at it from the other side, then you know you're you're actually making somebody else feel good by helping you. That's right. You're giving them the opportunity for a feel good moment. And yeah. you know, if you like you said with grace, if you accept with grace and accept the grace with help, it's like, you know, we both had a great time and, you know, in different circumstances, both parties enjoyed, you know, we were both happy at the end. It wasn't intrusive, it wasn't I didn't feel weak or demeaned, you know, and that was a big deal for me. And one of the things we're gonna talk about, Linda, today, you know, we've got a tough topic to talk about today. We're gonna to talk about money. And women's relationship with money can be a very, very funny 
funny thing. Some have great relationships. I think most of us don't have great relationships with money. And our guest today, Greg Wellborn from First Financial Consulting, and you can check him out at the uh, .net at the same uh, name, is what do we do with our money and how do we manage our money in our 40s, our 50s, and our 60s? And how does that change if we're a single parent, if we're long-term, you know, married? And that, again, that relationship with money, Linda, is such a, it's a, such a tough topic. Oh, yes, it really is. It is for, for all women. And maybe that's just a woman's thing too. And we'll, you know, we want to get into that with Greg of, you know, what's the difference? How do men approach it? How do women approach it? Absolutely, absolutely. So we are going to welcome Greg Wellborn when we come back from the break, and we're going to talk about women's relationship with money as we age. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we would like to invite you to check out our website. It's poweredup.talkradio.com. Spell it out just like it sounds. Linda, we're going to talk about money today. Now, you have some experience um, with money. You were in a male-dominated money field for many years. 
Uh, yes, I was. I was down on Wall Street running an arbitrage trading department um, with, you know, with only men uh, for, you know, over 20 years. So it was a, a wonderful part of my life and, and I enjoyed it. So, uh, having done that, I do have a, a respect for money. Uh, I know that, you know, they say money doesn't buy you happiness, but I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't hurt either. So, because <laughs> feeling secure, especially as you get older, uh, can really de-stress you and we were talking about stress earlier in the in the show so if you don't have to have the stress of wondering you know how you're going to uh weather the storm five or ten years out um it takes it takes a big burden off your shoulders it does it does and that's one of the reasons linda that we invited greg wellborn from first financial consulting today because Women's relationships with money, our relationships with security and fear and how that's all tied together in with money is so important for us to discuss. And it's really interesting because Greg is part of a group of financial advisors that are fee-only, and that's F-E-E, like, you know, no fees, fee-only. And that, to me, was so interesting because, it's it to me, it's something new. I had never heard of it, Linda, and I don't know if you have had experience with that, but I'm really excited to learn more about it with Greg. Well, let's go do that. I, I can't wait. <laughs> Greg, are you with us? I am, just listening to a great show. Thank you guys for putting it on. <laughs> Good. You know, you'll do fine. Just keep complimenting us, and Linda, yes. I'll be happy the whole rest we of love the show. <laughs> you're, you're great. You're beautiful. Uh, you look youthful as always. Right. Don't stop. Don't How am I doing? <laughs> Great, especially since it's radio and there's no visual. That's the best part of it. Um, so, Greg, let me ask you, what is what does it mean to be fee-only? I know what financial planners are. We've all heard of CPAs and all this thing, but fee-only, what is that, and is this something new? Uh, relatively speaking, it is new. Obviously, financial services as an industry has been around for a, a very long time, probably clicking in at 100-plus years. But the, the basic model used to be that um, people from the stock brokerage world or even the insurance world were selling a product, and they would try to give some advice as a way to get you to a product that advice function kind of grew and grew and grew. But always behind it was this sense that I'm trying to give you advice in order for you to buy a product from me so that I can put my own kids through to pay the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. About 20 years or so ago, maybe 30 at this point, um, fee-only as a way of, of approaching financial planning, financial advice came about where advisors said, we really want to give advice and advice only. We want to be charged for good advice and not have to take the, the consumer to a product purchase in order to get paid. So we structure our companies in a way where you you, you engage us to offer advice and, and look at the issues that are important to you. We give you advice that's objective. We're never going to sell your product at any time for any reason, and we charge you a fee for that advice, kind of like a CPA or an attorney would charge you for, for the time and the effort um, and not sell you a product. So that's what fee only means. It means we will never sell you an insurance policy, an annuity, a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, a fill-in-the-blank at any time for any reason. But we will help you get from point A to point B in your financial life as you define it. And we, of course, try to help the clients define where they are now, where they want to go, and what does that path look like to go from point A to point B. So if I were to make an appointment with you and you came up with this great financial plan for me, then what do I do? 
Well, you go about implementing it, and clients will use us in the implementation phase. But what that means is um, if, let's say, insurance is necessary, let's say we've said to you, gee, you need to have so much insurance of a certain type, we're going to go out and either work with an agent that you know, or if you don't have one you know and trust, we'll find one that we've worked with. Um, They will put the insurance product together, and they will present to you the type of insurance product we have said objectively you need. They won't be changing it. They won't be trying to sell you up from the Volkswagen to the Cadillac. Um, and then we kind of supervise to make sure that that's the right product put in place. And then we kind of switch over to the next phase. So if there, if there are investments involved, we might recommend you use this stock, this bond, this mutual fund. We'd recommend you open up an account at a discount brokerage firm where there are no fees, no commissions type of thing, and recommend you buy X number of shares or X number of dollars of this mutual fund, this stock, this bond, whatever, again, our investment plan that we've worked out for you on a fee basis only um, has determined is appropriate for you. So we will work with each client in implementing and putting in place all of the components of the financial plan, but again, we're doing it objectively. We won't get a dime from the implementation, the sell of a product that fits into that particular plan. So you know that it's objective, you know that it's the right one, you know that it's the lowest cost um, you can get for the benefit, the value that you need in your life. So that includes looking at their 401ks and their IRAs and, and their estate planning. And I mean, it's, a, it's the, whole, uh, the whole ball of yarn so that they know that they're going to be okay going forward. Absolutely. As we tell uh, prospective clients as they call in or as they sit down and talk with us, um, we will do as little or as much as the client wants. So we do have clients that come in and have this kind of this holistic issue of, gee, I, I'm doing some stuff and I don't know where I am and I've got a lot of balls in the air and help me please and I want to get to retirement. Fine, very holistic approach. We'll do everything. We have other clients on the other end of the, the spectrum that come in and say, look, I just got this new 401k um, offered at work. I don't know what to do with it. That's really the only thing I want you to look at. And we'll say, fine, we'll just look at that. So it really is driven by a dialogue we have with the prospective client. What are your issues? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the stumbling blocks? Where do you need the help? And then from our perspective, where do we see the, the value? In that first meeting, which is, of course, no charge, no obligation, no high-pressure sell, it's just a sense of making sure we think that there is value that we can supply um, worthy of a fee. And I'd say, you know, in some instances, a client's got a, a very easy solution. would say, look, you don't need us. You don't need anybody. Just go do this and come back in a couple years when there's a more complicated need and you'll be fine. So we, we do a lot of that pro bono, just, hey, this is what's going to work. It's real simple. Move on. We're only looking to engage on a longer-term basis when we really see that we can bring a value in helping the client get from that point A today to that point B tomorrow, whatever that might be in their life. Who's coming to see you more, husband and wives or or singles? You know, if you had asked me four or five years ago, I would have said it was predominantly um, male-driven in that it was either um, men alone or it was men and women, but the, the husband was driving that process. What we've seen uh, recently, thanks to you know shows like yours and other people that are trying to make financial awareness kind of part of the discussion um, that women are having regularly, 
uh, is a lot of women, single, divorced, widowed, uh, in between, that are coming to us and saying, here are my issues, here are my problems. And then when we're dealing with couples, we're seeing the, the, the wife much more involved than they might have been even four or five years ago. So this is really in transition in terms of what the, not the stereotype so much as what the average client looks like um, from five years ago to, to now, to let alone what it's going to look like five years, ten years down the line. Do, do any of the uh, women that come in as a couple say, hey, you know, I really would like to segregate something out on my own so it's not, you know, uh, in with my husband's? Or are they, are they kind of afraid to make that kind of statement, especially in front of their husbands? Well, that's an excellent question, and it's it's probably tough for me to answer because one of the things that we're very purposeful in doing is when we know we've got a couple uh, involved, we're asking the questions of both spouses. I mean, we will very purposely look to the spouse who's not done most of the talking and say, would love to get your perspective on this. And then we will usually tell them both so they don't feel that this is coming out of left field, um, that... You know, money not only represents a material item in people's lives, but it does represent a psychological and an emotional issue oh, in yeah. people's lives. People come at money, wealth, lack thereof, from different perspectives. And I think many times for both sexes, extremely helpful for a husband to hear, you know, how is wife coming at it? Very helpful for wife hearing, well, how does husband come at it? So maybe we're not seeing the reticence because we don't let that exist. We we will make sure that we're getting participation in the meeting from both people to the point of asking the question specifically and really trying to draw each spouse out and then help reconcile. And and part of that reconciliation process many times then is not a a separation in the sense of your assets, my assets, but a separation in a sense of one spouse says, look, I'm a little more aggressive in this area than the other. And we say, it's okay to have different pools of money, if you will, for different goals. And those different pools and different goals might represent different uh, risks threat, uh, or different risks that would be taken in an investment uh, portfolio from aggressive to very, very conservative. Yeah. So it is not unusual where you've got that split. And two accounts are set up more aggressively and one account is set up more conservatively. And then there's a joint account where they've gone away and come back to us and said, okay, we've had our glass of wine together and kind of knocked heads and here's our compromise for the joint account. And that's fine. It all works. Who do you find is more aggressive in their investing uh, mentality, the men or the women? I think that some of the old stereotypes still play out, and it's uh, it's men, but that is changing a lot. Um, and it's not age-driven, interestingly enough, um, male or female. We have a lot of 20-, 30-year-olds that are much more conservative than some of our 60-, 70-year-olds because there is that psychological component to it as well as that material component. So people that are young and could, quote-unquote, afford to be more aggressive because they've got a lot of time to run, and run out any cycles – Psychologically, they're predisposed to be much more conservative, and you look at the traditional 70-year-old or whatever, and you think, okay, this person's going to be very, very conservative, but they're saying, i got grandkids to plan for. It's not just about me. I'm, I'm not just planning for the next 10, 15 years. Um, I'm on a plan for 20 or 30 years and leave something for the grandkids. Therefore, their mental time frame is longer than what the actuarial tables would say their physical lifespan is. Yeah. It's very interesting to see the split. It is, and I'm glad that you said that you have 20-year-olds coming to see you because that's the time to start. Absolutely. And, and back in the day, a lot of people didn't, uh, they, and then they became 60, 65, and they said, oh, my God, I should have done this 40 years ago. Um, 
I'm glad that the message is getting out there because it's so important and women are really kind of afraid of that message and they can't, you know, they just can't be. We're living longer. We're, you know, we, we need to plan. We do, and I need to take us to commercial break, so we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to continue with Greg Wellborn of FirstFinancialConsulting.net. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Linda Franklin. And from coast to coast, we've got you covered today, and our topic is money. And we have welcomed Greg Wellborn from FirstFinancialConsulting.net. And for those of you that missed the earlier portions of the show or have missed our shows this season, please feel free to check us out on iTunes under PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. You can download them there. You can also download them from our .com site, PoweredUpTalkRadio, or you can go to our host station, Toginet, to listen to our previous shows. Now, Linda, before the break, we were talking with Greg about some trends that he's noticed, and I thought it was particularly interesting that he talked about, you know, like somebody in their 70s that actually will 
die before their financial plan is finished. And, you know, Greg, is this something new? Have you heard this historically? Or is this because people are living longer, we're more socially conscious? What's going on here? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, you know this this post World War II generation that created so much wealth and the baby boomers that have come along you know after that have enjoyed that and or built on that. What we're seeing is a recognition on many people's part, especially if a financial plan has been done correctly all along, that there is going to be money left over at the end. It isn't just about making sure oh I've got one penny left before the day I die. It's about, well, boy, I'm going to have a significant amount left or potentially a significant amount left on the day I die, and I've got kids or grandkids, so what do I do with that? And it's transitioned beyond just, well, I'll leave it to them to, well, you know, maybe I ought to actually plan for something that I'm going to leave to them. Um, little Susie, my granddaughter, seems to be you know, really scientifically inclined. Maybe she's going to go to med school. That's going to be expensive. I, I think maybe I want to plan for helping out uh, with med school. So it, it's kind of transitioned from just I'm okay to, all right, there's going to be something to the kids to I want to really be a little more purposeful about well what's going to be left for the kids and what the grand and for the grandkids and attaching some goals to that and then planning specifically for those goals. So they're setting up trust for their grandchildren. Trust 529, sometimes yeah. Roth, naming the kids as right. beneficiaries, a lot of different tools. Yeah. But yeah, they're specific now about who they're setting stuff up for, uh some kids, some grandkids, etc. Um, that's, well, it's interesting that you're on the show today with the market hitting an all-time high, so <laughs> what timing, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting day. I mean, you know, with all, it, it, with all the doom and gloom around, uh, you know, with, with the sequester and then the, 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 the debt, I mean, it's amazing what this market is doing. In one sense, when you listen to the, the 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 standard media hype, yes, it is. When you look at the economic fundamentals, I know. It, it's not surprising. The economy no. has been on in recovery for a while. The market's catching up with that in a sense, and um, that's always the way it's been. There's this I, white noise that's hype and emotion, and there's the underlying true information that is, well, what's going on in the economy? The market will eventually reflect that. And we've been coming out of this slower than any of us would like, but the trend for a while now has been consistently upward. Right. Are you still recommending uh, uh, stocks to your clients? Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing so many different stories, but it looks like bonds are really a, a dirty word these days. So, you know, stocks, stocks are, are, are the way to go, even at, even at these new levels. Of well, the market. we're, you know, it's interesting. You go back 10 or 15 years and there was always someone saying, uh, well, gee, look, the market has hit an all-time, you know, high. Or there's been a time when it's just, look at it, the market's hit a low over the last 10, 15 years. The highs and the lows are always going to be there. We've always been ones to say that for the vast majority of our clients or any, anybody out there, there's going to be some combination of stocks and some, and bonds that's necessitated in the portfolio in order to achieve the goals. And then those amounts don't change that much even when the market on one side or the other is going up or down. So are bonds in a bit of a bubble? Yeah, clearly they are. Should bonds still be in someone's portfolio? Yes. Um, are, have equities at an all-time uh, high? Yeah. Should equity still be in a part of a portfolio? Absolutely. It is the balance between them based on some long-term goal that we need to shoot for, plan for, and then maintain. It's not whether any one segment is at a high or, or, or a low. 
people get in trouble when they think that traditional way of, oh, this is high, therefore I should sell it and buy something else, because they're trying to time when that low gets corrected or when that buy, we fall <laughs> off that buy, and it never works. No, 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 no. That's a lost cause. It's a fool's errand that you, cause you're never going to call the highs and you're never going to call the lows. But you, I mean, and, and and what you're doing is, I mean, you're in for the long haul. This is not a trading account. This is this is an investment for your future. Correct. Yeah. No, I, I like you that. Find, oh, sorry, Linda. No, I didn't no, you go ahead. You no, go ahead. Greg, I wanted to ask you. You know what? Um, you know, like what? If you're in your 40s and then you're in your 60s, how does it differ? Um, when you're advising somebody, do you become more risk averse as you get older? I mean, you said that 70 year old was, you know, he wanted to take more risk. That was his personal choice. Um, what do you recommend? Well, I, I think that many people uh, think they should be risk averse as they get older. And so a lot of people will come in with that, if you will, that prejudice or that the presumption. What we try to do is we try to put a, a goal to where they are and and say what do we need to do for their goal for example someone who's 65 traditionally said okay i'm ready to retire so what do i do shouldn't i be conservative and we would look at them and say all right if you're going to live to what the actuarial tables say you're going to live to you know absent some family history that says you're going to drop dead in a year okay you're going to live to 83 84 85 86 somewhere in that neighborhood you're going to live another 20 years if we just look at what the traditional inflation rate in this country has been, 3%, and put that onto your portfolio, your portfolio, if you don't do anything about it from 65 to 85, will be cut in half in purchasing power because of inflation, if for no other reason. So all of a sudden, when we tell them that the lights kind of go on, there's this sense of, oh, my gosh, I, I'm not just planning for five years of life. I've got a plan for almost a new whole generation. I've got a plan for what do I do to keep my principal keeping up with inflation and giving me an income stream that meets a living expense that's keeping up with inflation for the next 20 years. We've just, as we're having that conversation, we've just moved way beyond any sense of being hyper-conservative or just invest in treasury bills or what have you. You've got to build in some amount of growth, therefore some amount of equities. And again, I go back to what I said earlier. There's always a balance between the stocks and the bonds, the equities and the bonds. But to just jump out of equities stocks because you're 65 somehow is a big mistake because you'll end up at the end with much less money than you anticipated and than you want, and you might have compromised the living standard that you've enjoyed on those 20 years. But, the, you know, the retirees are looking for to supplement their income. So they, they, they do want, st you know, stocks that, you know, that pay well, good good companies, good dividends, good yields, you know, something that, you know, so that they can they can enjoy the lifestyle that, you know, they have been accustomed to. Although once you hit 65 and 70, so many people, you know, they cut back and they really, <laughs> they, they, they think they have to at, at that age. Right. Well, and the types, I think you've hit on a very important point there. The types of stock will, will differ. I mean, you've got a lot of years of experience. I was hearing your intro, uh, you know, in the financial uh, community. When you're younger, you might be looking at more aggressive uh, stocks that aren't paying as much in dividends. You get to 65 you're probably going to shift that, but you've still stayed in stock. So there yeah. are some subtleties to this that most people don't understand. They say, oh, conservative, get out of stocks. No, maybe a more conservative phase means we shift the type of stocks that you own, but there still needs to be stocks in that portfolio in order to keep up with inflation like we've just discussed. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, that's where that's the, the market always comes back. And if, if you were, if you're a long-term investor and you're not, you know, you're not going to get poured out because you, you know, you got your margined up to your, you know, up, up to your earlobes, you're going to be okay. But people absolutely. get scared. You know that that's the thing. But um, but you're there to hold their hand. For for a price, of course. <laughs> well, and, and to to achieve their results, you know, yes, and, yeah. and obviously there's a a price for that. But one of the things that we've been, I think, you know, very very consistent on is not only bringing a sense of objectivity um, to this whole process, but bringing a sense of accountability. We want to be very specific with the client and say, look, we're going to charge you a fee, but for that fee, we believe that we can earn um, X number, X percent, 7 percent, 8 percent, 6 percent, whatever the number is, helping the client understand within the risk thresholds that are available what they, where they want to be. Once we've said that to them, we should be able to measure performance, net of all fees and all expenses, and say, if we're charging you a fee because we said we could get you to 6% per year on average, we ought to measure performance and show you that, and if we're not doing it, we should be fired. So there is this sense of fee for advice, but there's also this sense of testing the auditing, the advice, to make sure that it isn't deliver- it is delivering what was promised it would deliver so that a client knows, well, I'm going to stay with this financial advisor or I'm going to move on. So that's been a, a hallmark of our service for 35 years is measuring and comparing yeah. against the goal we've established. Right. So you, so you keep track of the rate of return on, 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 the, on your clients. Absolutely. Net of all fees and all expenses so they know what's really in their pocket what they get to spend, what they get to live their life on. Terrific. Well, and that's so hard. Do you look at their tax returns, too? Because sometimes there's, like, you know, all this hidden money or, like, phantom money. I was at a seminar that talked about this phantom money, and I, I know about phantom money because I had a foreclosure on my condo that I owned in Flagstaff, and they charged me all this real income, you know, because it was a secondary residence. It wasn't my primary. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're you're charging me income, and it's phantom income, and, you know, I had to pay taxes on it, which is when it became real. Um, but... Do you help people with that? Absolutely. Going back to this concept of doing as little or as much as a client would want in the more traditional um, holistic approach where we're looking at all aspects and making a financial plan and recommendations, taxes are a big component of that. So we're trying to look at the return, plan what that's going to look like in future years, determine, well, what composition of your net worth of your earning do you want to be in traditional stocks and bonds? What do you want to be in maybe a small business that you're running from your home? Uh, what part do you want to be in real estate? What are the phantom um, issues involved in that? What, what's the depreciation going to do for you? A lot of different nuances that get dropped into a, a full plan as you go from point A to point B based on the client's circumstances, their tax returns, what we think they're going to look like, how we can do tax planning to minimize some of the tax impact going forward. It's all about, again, getting the most money into the client's pocket that we can within those boundaries of, of risk that the client's comfortable with, um, and then doing it on the basis where they, they know where they're going, and at all points in time, they kind of check in and say, I'm on track, I'm not on track, and if I'm not on track, how do we tack a little bit to, to use a sailing analogy to get back on course so we're always heading toward where they want to go. I think it's a great resource for for women, for single women, for single moms, you know, just so they know that they have a partner and they don't have to be afraid. Um, If if people go to your website, is there any kind of like rate schedule just so we know what we're talking about? Is there parameters on there or... Um, no, uh, you guys, hold on. i got to take us to commercial break. I'm going to bring us back after these messages from our sponsors, and we will answer that question about fees. We- 
We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraiseamillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are rocking this show about money, Linda. I have learned so much in the past, you know, two segments. I just, I can't believe how much there is to know and how much I didn't know, and I thought I was pretty good with money. No, well, money is, and, and investments, and, and, and it, it's, it's intimidating. It is, and you really, if, if you're, don't be afraid of it. Go to somebody like Greg who can help you uh, figure it out and, and understand because, you know, anything that we fear too much, we're not, we're going to push in the background and not pay attention to. And this is an important topic that we need to pay attention to, and the earlier the better. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Greg, we're going to talk money um, for this segment, and I also want to ask you about trust because I'm going to read a post we had in from a listener. Uh, but before that, Greg, what does somebody expect to pay with a fee-only planner? Is it a flat fee? Is it an hourly fee? How does that work? 
That's a good question. And um, the, the basic answer is that before you begin work with anybody, you should know what your costs are going to be. That's part of what our um, initial consultation is, is to get a sense for how complicated that we think the uh, the engagement would be or how simplistic it would be. And then before someone leaves, to say, all right, here's what we think this is going to cost in order to deliver this benefit. And and all of those methodologies are available. As you, if you were to, excuse me, if you were to ask other fee-only financial planners, some would say they work on a retainer, some a flat fee, some on an hourly basis. But the important thing is um, kind of like going in to buy a suit, buy a dress, buy something. You, you ask the price before you, you walk out. You say, what's the benefit for me and what's the cost going to be to achieve that benefit? And then you ought to have the luxury and the privacy of your own home without pressure in a conference room or anything like that to figure out, does that really make sense? So we never ask anyone to sign a contract right in a conference room, that initial meeting. It's always a sense of, here's how we think we can help. Here's what we think it's going to cost. Here's some of our references, both professional and clients. And, you know, go consider that. Let us know if you'd like to move forward. And if so, then we can begin. So really put the 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 client in the driver's seat of their own financial future because they've not they've got to feel comfortable about that. Now, Greg, I have a message in from a listener here about losing everything in an ING investment, and she asked me she doesn't know now who to trust. Uh, so, Greg, my question to you is, how do you know you are with someone you can trust with your money? That's an excellent question. Um, the 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 longer answer for that um, is. Um, on the, the our association's website, NAPFA, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, again, they're the association for fee-only planners at napfa.org, there is a great field guide, a whole set of questions and criteria that you want to use as you're selecting someone. But quickly, what you're looking for is someone who truly is fee-only, and we'll say that so that you know you're not getting someone who's going to try to sell product um, to you later. Uh, you're looking for uh, sufficient credentials and quality. You know they've been doing it long enough that they're good. It's not You don't want someone who's just fee-only but gives bad advice. You want someone who's fee-only and gives good advice. They should be willing to give you some references, people that have worked with them, other advisors, lawyers, CPAs that have worked with them that can attest and say, this is good, this is what I found that was of value. And then all along, there should be a willingness to answer your questions, and you've got to be your own advocate. If you don't understand an investment, say, I don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, don't do it. A good advisor, an honest and ethical one, um, and one who's just good at what they do, will take the time to explain to you, this is why I'm recommending this. This is where the risks are. And more importantly, this is what I anticipate that it will do, so that you, you have all the information to make that decision. And then there's so got to be when, some sort of chemistry between the client and you, too, because, you know, you, you you may not be the one, but there might be somebody else in the organization that they'll feel more comfortable with. Absolutely. And and I, I the reason that I left chemistry kind of to the end is that it's the reverse of what has traditionally been the sales methodology. Um, for too long in financial services where a commission product was being sold, um, stockbrokers, insurance agents were kind of being hammered. It's about the relationship. It's about the chemistry. Uh, you, you build that up, and they'll do whatever you tell them to do. That's wrong. 
it ought to be, you should feel good about the person you're working with. Chemistry is important, but it should be one of the last considerations because you can have great chemistry with someone who's just no good at what they do or great chemistry with someone who's not fee-only, isn't going to be able to give objective advice, and you'll end up in trouble. You've got to meet those other requirements first and then feel good about just working with the person you're simpatico on some of the basic you know, concepts and principles of life and th- that sort of thing. You get that feel in a meeting. Yeah. But it ought to be something that you, you are factoring in at the end after you've satisfied the other objective criteria that you really can measure. Are they fee-only? Do they have references? Are they good at what they do? Did they take time and answer my questions? Or did they treat me you know, disdainfully? You get a feel for that. Well, like every, like everything else, if you're going to uh, like a plastic surgeon, you want to talk to some of their patients or or see some of their patients to know if he's the guy for you. So if you give referrals and you have happy clients, that that's the best sales pitch of all. Absolutely. Well, so Sandra, you're signing thing. up. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I'm signing up as soon as I have some money. I'll sign up. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, what's the plan for a single mother? Feed your kids, pay your mortgage. You know, that that to me is my financial plan right now. But when I do have lots of money, Greg is going to be the first one I call. Well, unfortunately, um, Sandra, I have to weigh in on that because you yeah, see, I'm at okay. the back end. I'm at the back end of feeding my kids, and what I found out <laughs> is when you feed the kids, they continue to grow. So, and they get big enough where they're looking down at you, and that's not necessarily a good thing. So. In hindsight, maybe we would have stopped feeding them a little earlier, you know? But, but Sandra brings up an important point, and it's, it's a, a thing a woman might feel. She says, I don't have enough money to go and start a financial plan, but maybe that's not the, the truth and that she it doesn't, you know, I, she needs to start when she doesn't think she has enough money so, you know, to build. So, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Because a lot of women say, well, I don't have enough money to, to do this. I do, and and I and the only thing I can say in response to that is, um, there are some financial planners out there, even on the fee-only side, where they have a minimum, and you're, if you don't have the money that they want, then they're not going to work with you. But there are a number that do not have a minimum. We don't have a minimum, um, and beyond that, I mean, if you're talking something that's really, really simplistic, if someone is worth working with down the line when you've got money, they'll be willing to give you a little bit of free advice up front. Like I had chatted earlier in this interview, there are times when people come in and we just say, look, right now you don't need us. I want you to go do this and this and this. Come back to us in two years or whatever. Well, if I've told someone to go do this, this, and this, it was real simple, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a plan. It just meant it was a simple enough plan that I could kind of create in that one meeting. I don't need to charge someone for that. I'm going to tell them, and I'm making up numbers now, so nobody, you know, go do this off the bat, but I'm saying, look, just go put 8% in your 401k. Just go do that. Just go buy a $500,000 life insurance policy to make sure your kids are okay if something happens to you, and you'll be okay for a little while and then come back later. That's yeah. bare bones, but yeah. that works. And Cut I'm, out the Starbucks and, uh, and, and start putting some money away for this. <laughs> right, and a credible advisor is, is going to be willing to do that um, up front, uh, even if they're not going to get paid on a really sp- small potential client because they realize they're building loyalty, and down the line when that person – does meet whatever minimums or has whatever sophistication warrants really bringing a full planner in, who are they going to think about? Well, the person that just gave them some free and good advice that got them going. What about the what about the woman or the or the man that's you know up to their knees in 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 debt, you know, credit card debt? If if they are willing to work hard to get out of debt, most of the time 
they can get out of debt. There's a handful where is bankruptcy going to have to be declared? Yeah, bankruptcy going to have to be declared. But more often than not, there are issues about what money has meant to them, how they have spent relative to money coming in, and there are ways that they can crawl out of that. It's hard work. They have to change some lifestyle and some ways that they go about making decisions. But yes, we can help them. There are other planners that specialize in you know debt reduction and debt management. There's there's essentially a planner out there for everyone. Based on where you are in that spectrum yeah. from debt to lack of debt to wealth to lack of wealth and everything in between. Well, and I want to give a message out to any of the single moms that are listening out there, you know, that don't believe it. And I want to share some numbers with them. You know, I was $68,000 in debt, had a foreclosure, $35,000 owed to the IRS, flat out broke. Yes, it did take me, you know, three and a half, four years to pay all that down. But you're right, I had to make changes. You know, we shop at, you know, Walmart on sale. We didn't eat out, I don't think, for, I mean, I'm talking years. I don't think we went out to dinner unless my dad came to town. And it's all about making choices. And I will tell you, on the opposite side of that, when you do that and you tackle that financial monster, you know, whether it's from a divorce or a loss of a spouse for whatever reason, you come out on the other end of it just so empowered. I know I will have money someday. I know I will pay for my kids' college. I know it with a certainty because I got myself out of debt. There's my soapbox. <laughs> no, it's, it's a wonderful message. Yeah, keep it, preaching it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Women need so to hear Greg, that message. They do, because I think so many people fold up their tents and go home, especially after a divorce, and my divorce occurred when I had a three-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and my ex just walked out on everything. So if there is anybody who knows about financial recovery, it's me. If anybody can do it, or if I can do it, anybody can. It's just a matter of the choices you make, and some of those choices are getting up and going to work and working weekends and nights when you don't want to. Um, but I'm a big believer that we create our own destiny. Amen, sister. <laughs> Amen. Amen, my sister. So, Greg, how do people get a hold of you? And are you able to work with national clients? Yes, we are. Uh, advantage of the 21st century is there are so many different ways to uh, you know, be in relationship, be in contact, get things done. This, this show that we're all participating in is one good example of that. So betwixt uh, facts, uh, go to meetings, uh, phone calls, uh, emails, what have you, yeah, we work with uh, clients across the country. And in fact, we've got a uh, client, I think, at least one client on every continent except Antarctica. Um, most of those word of mouth, we weren't shopping for people in uh, you know, South America or South Africa or Asia, but someone knows someone who knows someone. And again, with the 21st century technology, we're, we're doing a lot for people all, all over the place. In terms of how to get a hold of us, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I got it. Go ahead because we're 30 seconds out to the end of the show. Uh, telephone number for us is 626 844 um, you can go to F as in Frank, F as in Frank, consult.net, ffconsult.net, or firstfinancialconsulting.net, um, or you can just send me an email at gwellborn at ffconsult.net, or just look me up on the Internet. I'm, I'm not hiding. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage.